today I want to start a new series, and, and um, it's something I've been working on for a few weeks and been praying about, and, and it just seems like the timing is right for this. I'm going to try to do it in three Sundays. I don't know that I'll be able to get it in in three Sundays. What I don't want to do is, is hold you too long uh, each Sunday. I want to try to stay around that 20, 25-minute mark if we possibly can. And so uh, we're going to start today Lessons from the Storm. Lessons from the storm. We'll be looking at various storms in Scripture and what are the lessons that we can take away from each of these and apply them to our life. So um, let's get started this morning. Uh, I know that there's probably a lot of Peanuts fans out there, I being one of them. Uh, Charlie Brown uh, builds a beautiful sandcastle. He works on it for hours. Finally, he stands back, looks at it, and it's just wonderful. He's, just, he's, he's admiring the sandcastle that he built. And just as he's admiring it and taking in its beauty, a storm comes up and blows over all of his sandcastle. Now he's standing there where his beautiful masterpiece was on level sand, saying to himself, I know there's a lesson in this, but I'm not sure what it is. Now, look, I'm sure that every one of us uh, that's listening to this today and will listen to this this week, I'm sure that every one of us, myself included, we have been exactly where Charlie Brown was. We've had our, our sandcastles blown away. Every once in a while, we just back up and say, why am I being hit with this storm? Why is this going on? And sometimes the storms that we face are caused by the enemy. We know that. Sometimes uh, the storms we face are caused by other people. Sometimes by our own making. And sometimes just, it's just life that storms come into our path. They come from different sources. They all have a purpose uh, in our life, and we have to kind of figure out what those things are. But here's the thing I've, I've learned. We have to live life forward, but we understand it in reverse. We look back, and we, we can see the understanding. We don't necessarily understand it when we're going through it, but we do when we look back over it. <clears throat> Storms reveal the following things about us. It reveals the nature of my faith. It reveals the strength of my commitment. It reveals the level of my maturity, and it reveals the healthiness of my attitude. And then last, and where we're going to spend the next few weeks, is this. Storms reveal the measure of my teachability. The measure of my teachability. If you're not on version, you can follow along in the app there. All of my notes are in it. Um, the storm that we're going to be looking at today is a storm that, that is taking place um, in the life of Jesus and the disciples, actually. Excuse me, I've been doing a lot of yard work and I don't have much of a voice left this morning. Uh, the allergy and the pollen and everything. We're looking at Matthew 14 and this is the story. Jesus, uh, has, uh, John the Baptist has just been beheaded. Uh, Jesus has just fed the 5,000 and he's at the end of all of this and, and, he, and he sends his disciples across the sea, across the water um, to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We'll be hitting verses of it throughout the, throughout the morning. At some time, Jesus goes off by himself on the side of the mountain to pray, and the storm comes up. They're about midway of the, of the, uh, the Sea of Galilee there, and a uh, storm comes up, and they're rowing and doing everything they possibly can. And just about dawn, Jesus comes walking out to them, walking on the water. And we know the story, if you've read it before, you know Peter decides, hey, when they, they thought he was a ghost to begin with, and when he finally says, no, don't be afraid, it's me, uh, take courage and all this kind of stuff, Peter says, well, Lord, if it's you, let me walk on the water. And he says, well, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat, walks, starts looking at the waves, begins to sink, Jesus rescues him, gets in the boat with him, the storm subsides, and, uh, and, and so that's where we are. And the, those that were in the boat, the, the last phrase there says, truly, you are the Son of God. So what can we learn from the storms of life? First, we have to learn this and recognize this and hold on to this truth. 
Everyone has them. Everyone has storms. Matthew 5.45, Jesus said, he makes the sun rise on both good and bad people. He sends rain for the ones who do right and for the ones who do wrong. Storms, problems, difficulties, trials, they all come to every one of us. There's no exclusion. Just because you're a believer, just because you're a Christian, doesn't mean you're going to be excluded from storms of life. If someone tells you that if you get saved and follow Jesus, all of your problems are going to go away, all of your storms are going to go away, I can tell you emphatically this morning that is just not true. As a matter of fact, you may actually have some more than you would actually anticipate. <clears throat> so everyone has storms. Some storms come because we're out of God's will. We know the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. He was told to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to do that. He went somewhere else on the boat. Storm came up. They, threw, they finally threw him overboard. The fish ate him and, and all this kind of stuff. All of this stuff happened. The storm in Jonah's life happened because he was disobedient to God. God had told him to do something. He refused to do it, wanted to do something else. And so the storm in Jonah's life came because he was disobedient. Maybe you've had storms in your life that are caused by your own decisions of disobedience. We've all been there. We've all done that. The next thing we need to recognize is that some, some storms come because we are in God's will. Some because we're disobedient and out of God's will. Some because we're in God's will. In, this, in our text this morning, in verse 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him the other side. Here they are in the middle of the storm, but Jesus is the one that put them in the boat. They're right in the middle of God's will, but they're having the storm of their life. Some other examples of this in scripture are Job. Job is a perfect and upright man, a just man. He loves God, and all of a sudden his world is thrown into chaos. Uh, Joseph, uh, he's, he's sold into slavery by his brothers, and he get falsely accused multiple times. All this stuff is happening, but yet he's in the very center of God's will. In the New Testament, we have the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> Just a name of the few things, the few storms that Paul had to endure. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He even died a martyr's death. But he's a man of God, one of the great men in the history of the Christian church. He's in the center of God's will. So what am I saying this morning? I'm saying this morning that it is, that it is possible for you to be obeying God, walking in all the light that you possibly could, be right in the center of God's will, and yet at the same time encounter a terrific storm. You can never look at a person, see what they're going through, and say, this person doing right, and that person must be doing wrong because this person is being blessed, and that person is being cursed because of the storm. We see a storm in their life. That's just nonsense. That's the way the ancients understood things. They looked at people with blessing and said, God's favor is there. They looked at people with, with situations in their life and curses. They would say, no, that person's cursed, so there's, there's sin there. That was Job's friends were those type of people. But that's just ridiculous. We understand that. I know, and you do too, a lot of wonderful people who really love God, who really do obey God, and yet because of life's uncertainties and the fact that we live in a fallen world, life gives them a tough blow. Excuse me. When we have a difficult time, we have to have our feet on the ground and understand that storms happen to people in the will of God as well as people outside of the will of God. But the thing that we have to hold fast to, the security that we have is this. Jesus is at work in our storms. So here are the lessons that we're going to learn today. What does Jesus do for us in the storm? The first thing that Jesus does for us is that Jesus prays for us. Jesus prays for us. We look at, in, in our text and we see that, that he sent them across the water. Verse 22 and 23, Jesus made them get into the boat, go to the other side ahead of him. 
After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Who's he praying for? He's in communication with the Father. He's being, he's being ministered to by the Holy Spirit. But the real deal is, he, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, even though the word does not specifically tell us this, he's praying for those men that are in that boat because he knows what they're about to face. He's praying for them. How do you know that, Phil? Well, because the book of Romans tells us this. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus came to pray for us. He's praying for you and I. Jesus came to this world to talk to us about God. And he is now in heaven talking to God about you and I. In other words, as we're here on this earth encountering the storms in our life, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding, praying for you and me. The best news that I've got for you in this morning is this. If you're walking through the toughest time of your life, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is interceding for you. He's caring for you. He's taking your need to the Father, and he knows all about your needs because he's been there. He's walked where we've walked. He's felt what we've felt. He's seen what we've seen. He's heard what we've heard, and he goes to the Father, and he says this. Listen, Dad, that's one of my kids. That's one of my children. I died for that person. He prays for us during the storm. The next thing that Jesus does is this. He comes to us. Verse 25 tells us that before dawn, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Shortly before dawn. Malachi tells us this, that God is like a silversmith. When you do some research, you find out that a silversmith describes his job. Here's what the silversmith says when he does the refining of the silver. He said, I must sit with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace. I believe I heard Jeff talk about this a few weeks ago in Morning Devotions. I must sit with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace, for if the time necessary for refining be exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver will be injured. And in that interview, he said, I, will, I never take my eye off the silver in the furnace. I don't want to take it out too early because if I take it out too early, it won't be purified. But I don't want to leave it in too late because if I leave it in too long, it will be injured. So someone, when, when the silver is in the fire, I focus. I don't let anything distract me. I let nothing take off my focus. I watch that silver carefully, waiting for that right moment to take out. And someone asked him, well, when is that moment? And the silversmith said, I know the silver is pure when I can see my face reflected in it. Jesus is waiting for that moment. He's coming to us in that moment. He doesn't come too early. He doesn't wait too long. He comes just in the nick of time when he can see his reflection in it. That's the time when he comes. Maybe this doesn't happen to you, but I always think in my own life, I'm in the worst part of the storm. As soon as a storm comes, I'm saying, okay, God, bail me out of here. Get me out of here. Here I am. Find me. Rescue me. But sometimes I've learned this. God doesn't rescue. Sometimes he doesn't come. I have to have the assurance that he is the great silversmith. And while I'm in the furnace, he focuses, he watches. His job isn't a quick rescue mission. His job is to purify me. We talked about God working a couple of weeks ago out of Romans chapter 8, and God is working the good thing that he's working. What is the first good thing that he's working in us? The conformity to the Son. He isn't that quick. He's not on a quick rescue mission. His job is purification, conforming us to the image of the Son. So he holds until the right moment, and then he comes. Never too early, never too late, just on time, always in the nick of time. I don't know about you, but I wish his clock was a little bit quicker sometimes. I wish it was, but he just doesn't work that way. But notice from this story how and when Jesus comes to us. When does he come to us? At the darkest hour. What does it say? A little before dawn. It's always darkest before the sun comes up. That's when Jesus came. 
We know that the darkest hour of the night is right before the dawn. A little while right before the morning, he walks into the storms of life just at our darkest hour. The time when you and I are most needy. The time when the silver is just right. That's when he comes out to the boat. Did you notice that he'd been in the storm for quite a while himself? They'd been in the storm for quite a while. The disciples said, was Jesus apathetic? No. Was he ignorant? Absolutely not. He saw everything. He'd been praying for them on the side of the mountain. He knew where they were. He saw their fears. He heard their cries, but it didn't come until the hour was the darkest. A little before morning, he comes to us at the darkest hour. Number two, he comes to us victorious over our greatest fears. He comes to us victorious over our greatest fears. Jesus came walking on the water. In other words, he came walking. He comes walking on the very thing that frightened the disciples. Look at it. What are they worried about? They're worried about the waves, the boat's being tossed back and forth. If you've ever been out in the Gulf or, or some rough water, you understand that the boat is tossed all over the place. It's just like a little cork or something that's being thrown everywhere by the waves. That boat's being tossed back and forth. They're afraid they're going to drown. They're afraid that the boat's going to capsize. It's taking on water. They're looking at the high waves coming over the side of the boat. They're bailing as fast as they can to get the water out. These guys are fishermen. They'd been through stuff similar to this before. They'd been on the water all their life, but they're scared to death in this moment. The waves are coming, and all of a sudden, on the very thing they fear most, those high waves, the place where their greatest fears are resting, they see this figure walking on top of the waves. And in his quiet, majestic way, as he's walking on the water, Jesus is saying, guys, the thing that is the greatest storm in your life, I'm putting it under my feet. If you're sick, he comes walking on your sickness. If you're afraid of death, what did he do on Easter? He came walking on the waves of death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is your victory? He's standing on top of the stone that covered his tomb. He is the one that has beaten Death, hell, and the grave. He's saying to every one of us, to the disciples and to you and I today too, I am able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ever ask or think. That thing that you fear the most, that thing which causes you to tremble, that thing which causes you to falter, I come walking on it. I stand on that stuff. I am the victor. I am the one who reigns. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ comes walking on the water. They're worried about the waves getting in the boat. He's coming right on across the top of them. He says, fellas, you may be worried about this. You may be worried about these waves. But I step on stuff like this. We have the assurance in God's word. Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. He comes to us walking on the things that, fear, that we we're most afraid of. Number three, the third lesson that we have to learn is that Jesus ministers to us. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, verse 26 and 27, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, guys. It's me. Hang on, guys. Don't be afraid. It's just me. You see, the thing I've learned after all these years of serving Jesus is this, that Jesus ministered to, uh, to us in spite of our misunderstandings. The disciples looked out and they thought he was a ghost. They were scared to death. Now they're even more scared. They don't have a grasp of the situation. The waves are crashing in. 
They, they hear Jesus talking, but now he's telling them, don't worry. In the middle of all this, nothing has changed. The storm is still raging, and Jesus is going, it's okay. Don't worry about this. Now listen to me. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you, as a believer, that you should understand everything. But yet I run into people all the time, Christian people, well-meaning people who feel guilty because they say, I'm going through some terrible storm in my life and I don't know what's happening to me. And there must be something wrong with me because my connection must be right with God, must not be right with God, or surely I could figure it out. Can I tell you something this morning? There are things in this life that you and I are never going to figure out. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you're going to know everything. In fact, Paul said, we look through a glass darkly on this side. When we're on this earth, we look through a glass darkly. We don't understand it. But what is the assurance that we have? Romans 8 again. For we know in all things God works. Paul said we know it. What do we know? We know it because we know that God is on the throne. We know that God is sovereign. We know that it's going to be okay because of God. But Paul didn't say you understand it. We're not going to figure it all out. You see, our security isn't what we know in our mind. Our significance is not what we know. Our security and our significance is in who we know. So we're in the midst of the storm and we say, I don't understand it. I'm not even sure it's fair. I don't like it. But I know who's sovereign over the storm. I know the one who will come walking on the waves when the purification of my situation has come to fulfillment. We can be like Job. He wasn't a prosperity preacher. He had more sense than that. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job, do you like the ash heap? Absolutely not. Do you like the boils? No, I do not like the boils. Do you like your wife coming out the back door and saying, hey, why don't you just curse God and die? No, it really doesn't thrill me, Job says. But the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. All Job is saying, folks, is this. I don't understand it. Probably don't think it's right. Certainly I don't like it, but I know who's in control. I know who's in control. So he ministers to us in spite of our misunderstandings. And he ministers to us in spite of our fears. The disciples have seen Jesus do some wonderful things. But they've never had Jesus minister to them at the darkest, most difficult hour of their life. In spite of their fear of the waves, Jesus kept walking toward them. Just in spite of the fact that they thought he was a ghost, Jesus kept walking toward them. Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking to Jesus, and he sinks. But Jesus reaches out his hand and rescues him. In spite of their fears, Jesus keeps walking on the water, holding Peter's hand, and walks both of them get in the boat. And at that point, the storm ceases. Just as he did with those guys that day, that night on that, storm, on that, on that lake, he will do the same for you and I. The lessons from this storm is this, that Jesus is at work in the storm. He's praying for us, he comes to us, and he ministers to us. In spite of our fear and in spite of our misunderstanding, Jesus is in control of our life. And if we put our faith and our trust in him, the lesson that we can take away is that Jesus is right there with us at work in our storm, praying, coming to us, and ministering to us. I hope that this has touched your heart today. Right there.